The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. You may say you want to be a person who has run three miles a day. You do not yet, apparently, want to be a person who does run three miles a day. So one one set of resources or a whole, whole set of resources we might think of as sort of disciplines, practices that aim not at just helping our will be victorious over our circumstances, but practices that help us invest our hearts in the desires that would help us naturally live the sorts of lives we're trying so hard to live by force of will. Thank God it's Friday. Or if you don't believe in God, it's Friday. We're wrapping up a series of conversations with Ryan McAnally-Linz and Matthew Krosman, authors, along with Miroslav Wolf, of Life Worth Living, a guide to what matters most. But the thing is, if you do answer this question for yourself, if you can become the kind of person who has a purpose in life, a set of standards to live by, you're inherently creating some expectations for yourself, which is great, but it also creates the possibility, the probability even, that you'll fail, you'll fall short at times. Don't beat yourself up about that, but don't blow it off either. Here's Matthew to explain. You will fail to live up to your own standards. No matter how well you've thought out what it means to live well, your actual living will fall short of your ideals. Yeah, your failures might not be catastrophic. Little lies here, tiny broken promises there, a string of small compromises that pull you slowly away from your purpose. Your failures might be totally unspectacular, but they will be real and they will matter. I think of a time years ago when I botched it. Bad. Money was tight. And to make matters worse, I was about to get married. Weddings aren't cheap. In the middle of these money worries, my paycheck one week was double what it normally was, what it should have been. I convinced myself not to make any noise about it, you know, bank error in my favor or whatnot. But it all came to a head when my boss asked me, hey, do you notice anything abnormal in your paycheck? I stammered and shook my head. My boss tried again. Are you sure? It looked like maybe you got paid double last week. I squirmed a bit more, but held my ground. I swear you could see his face drop the moment he gave up on me coming clean. Well, he sighed. Congratulations on your wedding. I wanted to give you a gift. I had tried to steal my wedding present. The fact that we will fail to live up to our own standards hurts, but it's a fact. And so we need to face it, which means we need to think well about how to respond when we do fail. First, we need to be willing to recognize our failures. Denial might be a good strategy for politicians looking to hang on to their jobs, but it's, it's not a good one for us as we're seeking to live our lives well. Second, we need an approach that goes deeper than just trying to do better. We need to identify the resources that will help us do better. Because when it comes to seeking lives that are truly worthy of our shared humanity, we need all the help we can get. Yeah, that's a painful story because I could feel your 
pain when you realized that you'd kind of slipped into acting against your values. You know, that's not the kind of person you thought you were, not the kind of person you wanted to be. And yet you just found yourself cheating a little bit. Is that just what we should all expect? <laughs> well, yeah. I, yes, I think that is true. I think if we have standards, we will fall short of them. Probably the only way to never fall short of moral standards is to just not have any. Right. And, and for what it's worth, I, I, that, there's actually, I think, a temptation there, right? If the sin we most want to avoid is hypocrisy, <laughs> the easiest way to avoid it is by uh, adjusting our standards so that they match the lives we're already living. There's a certain amount of moral fortitude in holding to values, even as we have fallen short of them. I recently caught myself telling a small lie. I think it was small, but how, how small was it really? I don't know. I noticed that I felt almost immediately that I'd done something wrong. I felt something was off. And I've been reflecting on it since, you know, while reading your book and trying to think about, well, first of all, just take in that information that that did feel bad. And that tells me something maybe that honesty is something I value and trying to think about, well, what led me to fall short there. Tell me more about the resources that, that you think people should look into, because you say we can't do this ourselves. We need all the help we can get. Where are some places we can turn if we don't want to just rely on our own willpower to get better? Yeah, I think w willpower is the solution if we think that all we need to do is change our behavior. And that's the sort of New Year's resolution approach, right? I'm going to run three miles a day. And my only problem is that every morning I wake up and I don't run three miles and tomorrow I just need to resolve to run three miles. The ancient traditions, many of them propose, the problem is not that you won't run three miles tomorrow. The problem is that today and tomorrow, and until you do something to, to change it, you are not a person who wants to run three miles. You may say you want to be a person who has run three miles a day. You do not yet, apparently, want to be a person who does run three miles a day. So one, one set of resources or a whole, whole set of resources we might think of as sort of disciplines, practices that aim not at just helping our will be victorious over our circumstances, but practices that help us invest our hearts in the desires that would help us mm. naturally live the sorts of lives we're trying so hard to live by force of will. So are there, are there ways of uh, practices that we can enter into of, of meditation, of reflection, of prayer that would help cultivate certain sorts of genuine desires within us such that eventually we become the sorts of, and I don't know what the moral equivalent is of the running the three miles every day, right? Being kind to my daughter every day, right? Mm. Holding my temper with those that I care about most, right? It's, I can't just by force of will seem to pull that off. Could I invest myself in something intermediate between where I am and there, such that I became the kind of person who naturally showed up in the ways that I want to show up? Do you think community is part of this story too. I'm thinking like if you participate in a 12-step group or a church group or just a group of friends that you admire, that you're more likely to live up to your own standards if you're around people who are living up to that same standard. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And, and a lot of those communities will have those disciplines and we'll do them together, right? It's it's one thing to to meditate. It's another to be part of the Buddhist sangha and 
to be meditating in community with this whole group of other people who are going to help you. You know, a Buddhist stance to this of a certain sort, right, particularly prevalent today in America would be something like definitely avoid the guilt trips, right? The key is a kind of compassionate stance towards your own failures that will help you see the causes and, and correct them. And to be able to to kind of go through that process with people who are also going through that process is going to, it's going to make it sturdier for you. It's going to give you people to lean on, people you can confess to in ways that, that will feel like potentially more life-giving than threatening and yeah, all sorts of resources for for responding to that failure better. So finding support in your community, finding support through practices, these are the kind of things outside of ourselves that can bolster us and keep us on the path that we said we wanted to be on towards the leading the kind of life we decided we wanted to lead. Well said. Well, Matt and Ryan, thank you very much for being on The Next Big Idea Daily. We really enjoyed having you and listening to your big ideas. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, it's been an honor. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope these conversations have gotten you started thinking on how you can answer life's big questions for yourself. It's going to be an ongoing process, and we're here to help. Sign up for our newsletter, and we'll give you a weekly summary of big ideas, and you'll be able to respond with your comments and questions. We're trying to create our own little big ideas community. Come back next week when I'll be talking to one of the country's leading experts on behavior change and habit formation. Katie Milkman from the University of Pennsylvania will join me to share her big ideas on how to change. This week's episodes were written and produced by me, Michael Kovnett, and executive produced by Kayla Bissinger and Rufus Griscom. Sound design was by Emily Rostick. The Next Big Idea Daily is a proud member of the LinkedIn Podcast Network. See you Monday.